0: I guess you went from around here, yeah. I guess you went from around here. Yeah, look at what we did in the past year, yeah. A lot of green like a pasture, a lot of buzz like a pastor. Yeah, enjoy it while I'm still here. I've been on the I've been disappeared like the rapture. No mad raps in the cheap short. I'm just shopping in my sears, I ain't no soothsayer. Just a true seeker, blue tweaker. Might just make a mail while I'm getting meeker. Might just make a mail while I'm getting meeker. Do I sound clear? Can you hear the Susan Tumbre in your ear? Look at what we did in the past year. Yeah, look at what we
1: did. The- What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ebbs and Flow. That's an esoteric Bible study for love of wisdom. I am Dan Winaki Dan, and I am back with Nomad, Joshua the Branch, and a new guest for the first time. The Queen Bee, Morgan. How you doing, Morgan?
2: <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Letting oh. me join the Bible.
1: Yeah, uh, you have a blog spot. Tell people where they can find your uh, WordPress it at and uh, spell it out, too, because it's a little tricky.
2: Okay. It is www.knowhoards.com h-o-r-d-e-s bard b-a-r-r-e-d dot com. there
1: we go uh thank you for joining the show today it's gonna be a fun one nomad how you doing man
0: i'm doing amazing super what excited you, to get back into the bible with y'all
1: yeah what you got going on
0: Uh, Well, recently I've been doing a series called Everything Esoteric with the Homie Romy. Uh, We're digging into seemingly mundane items. Right now we're going over the bell and it's sort of esoteric history. So that's been a lot of fun. You can find that on Rising from the Ashes Patreon or on my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash nomad. That's G-N-O-M-A-D. And then if you guys want to get in contact with me or check out my other art, you can check out my website. That's nomad.art. And so, yeah, I always have when i make stuff i just throw it up on there so if you want to check it out there it is
1: and the nomad podcast which is available everywhere
0: yep and if it's not on your preferred streaming platform let me know and i'll get it there
1: and (laughs) joshua the branch what's going on man
3: hey everyone sabat shalom it's good to be here um we're going to be talking about the seventh day of creation. And what do you know? It's the seventh day. And so I found that to be quite fitting. <laughs> and so it's nice to be sharing that with you guys. So, you know, as we get into the Bible, we will digest it and it will get into us.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the summation Morgan, of creation. Morgan has not been here for, uh, we we've barely covered chapter one. Of the Bible. Uh, but maybe uh, tell people a little bit about your background, Morgan, and, and how you got into some uh, religion and your upbringing a little bit and why the Bible fascinates you.
2: Um, well, uh, I'm from the South. So I was born and raised a Southern Baptist, turned Church of God, turned non denominational. Uh, just, it's just what you do down here, it's just, you know, we live. So yeah, uh, I've been raised in the church and um, so it fascinates me in a different way because of the alchemical, this is an, a living text because it's alchemical and it, it really does um, have a lot of meaningful information in it.
1: That. yeah, and are you a religious person?
2: I'm spiritual.
1: Spiritual, cool. Yes, it's all good, that's why we're here to discuss these things. Uh, that's, that's an what, interesting
3: mm-hmm. uh distinction to make, though, because you can have a literal interpretation of the Bible and see, like the Sadducees and Pharisees in the Bible, they kept the law but didn't have the spirit. And so I think yeah. sometimes that's what's missing from some religious people, quote unquote, is that they don't, they might have an expert understanding of the scripture, but no spirit or not understand the spirit. And so I think that can be a pitfall for folks. So I really admire that. Thank you for expressing that
0: yeah, follow-up no question on that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys think that, The majority of people spend any time sort of actually uh intentfully seeking that spiritual side or would you say that's a very small group of people like you know like spending like an hour a day or something like praying and meditating you know trying to seek god
2: do you i don't think that i think that the the people that aren't doing that um are in serious trouble (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i I feel like i get the feeling that most people or a lot of people that i encounter uh, or especially growing up just in the church it seemed like a lot of them didn't spend a ton of that time doing the hard internal work right it was like go to church and then that's kind of
1: yeah. it party on yeah. saturday go to night. church forgive your sins on sunday and, do it all over again yeah
2: well and here's another thing though is that like when i was a kid i mean they would break me all they broke our JV groups off into you know separate groups and then they'd have specific people actually teaching children teaching other children the word and I'm sitting here like telling these people what the bible says and I had no clue what I was reading or saying or like preaching to these these other children and
3: yeah well, that's the it. definition of indoctrination because it's a doctrine, and you're indoctrinating it. I mean, it's that's what it is. So, yeah, to understand it though, it, you know, and that's that's the term we're given: uh, rumination, uh, which is to think about something in the mind to mentally digest it. And rumination is a double entendre though, because an animal that's clean, kosher animal. Uh, is one that chews its could, that ruminates, it rumines. And so I think that that's a really interesting thing to uh, meditate on the word, is to take the word and mentally digest it over and over again and re-digest it over and over again. And um, So like you said, we barely got through any of this, right? Because we (laughs) weren't just reading it. We've been digesting it. And so... I think that's, you know, we're in church right now in a sense, you know, because we're mm-hmm. doing that.
2: Well, so, what does God say uh, where two or more of you are? There I am. E- exactly. <laughs> we are. We are at church right now. Yeah,
3: no <laughs> doubt. So, you know, praise God. So I guess we're summation, the summation of cremation. What was it? <laughs> summation of creation. Cremation? Guess, what? That's the end, actually. That was a Freudian slip. Into the beginning. There it is again. Yeah, yeah, the end
1: at the beginning.
2: I mean, we're we're on child by fire, but you know.
3: (laughs) Well, and that was also relating to the moon with water thing, because the sun has the fire, which is poured off in Revelation. So I guess there would be a cremation in the end. So
0: yeah, I got that was funny, a Freudian slip indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since you brought up the water, I did have a question on that, because... As I was just reading this, uh, again, I was reading, you know, one and two of Genesis, (laughs) still not quite over those first few (laughs) verses. Um, Do you guys think that God, (laughs) did God create the water? Did it it ever say that? No. That's a good point. I don't know how that, like, I've always read, like, it was, there was that pre- you know, uh, the face of the deep existed waste and void, but I never really put the two and two together. Like, wait, it doesn't actually say he made the water. And so that clicked, because you brought up Joshua, the fact that the ancients used to think that the abyss or hell was the water, right? Yeah, Uh exactly. Very interesting. I find that
2: what Uh -uh. I Uh -uh. no, it says that God's spirit hovered over the water and he said let there be light so basically there was already water there
0: yeah exactly
2: chapter 1 verse
3: 2 yep what i find curious of, oh sorry you were going to read go ahead
2: no i'm saying jesus like oh uh,
0: yeah. hallelujah <laughs> we, we've missed this <laughs> we missed the first two verses <laughs> that's a big yeah
3: but that's the that's see now we're re we're ruminating on something we've already read and studied we're, that's how an animal does that it chews its could. so we're, it's we're ruminating and digesting it once more and we're getting more out of it because now there's another person even and so that's that's the value of fellowship um, studying your Bible on your, your own you can only get so much sometimes but uh, so I think that's really the true value of the fellowship. There's a lot of the torah is even considered meat whereas the gospels considered milk. Uh, yes. So, so you can study the gospel on your own, I guess, and probably get it. But this is the type of stuff that you kind of need a pack <laughs> to eat on, you know. I guess.
2: Yes. So
0: just- yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself is pretty self-explanatory.
2: Don't murder people.
0: Unless it's for. So God. Joshua, did did you <laughs> did you have any uh, other? Um, stories or mythologies that made you think of the ancients depicting water as the abyss and sort of hell? Did you mention from Egypt, maybe?
3: Well, there were- yeah, there are some other creation myths. Um, not so much that they consider it hell, but uh, in Egyptian uh, lore, there's the abyss, and they call this the new or the nun. And the nun is something that also shows up in the Bible. Um, particularly with Joshua, which happens to be my name as well, Joshua son of none, and he even has his name changed at one point. So Yahweh changes his name from Jose to Joshua, which means salvation. And he's son of Nun, which is in person, but I thought that was really interesting because the nun happens to be this abyss. And so he literally changed his name to salvation from of the abyss (laughs) son of the abyss basically and i thought whoa that's crazy um because when we look at the first chapter of genesis we see how the light was created before the sun and the moon and if you know and if the light is indeed christ he you know is he coming up from the abyss and and so he's the lamb from this abyss so joshua uh, son of nun i see as like an archetype or like a prototype of christ who was to come later and we see this a lot with all the predecessors before christ do kind of bear a resemblance to him but i found that the nun connection there is very interesting to me and um i think it also helps to kind of explain some of the things about like naval law and admiralty law and the marine kingdom and the devil in the deep blue sea. Like he has a dominion. And, um, you know, this character we're reading about in Genesis, Yahweh, uh, has a dominion over this. And so can create land out of the abyss, um, life out of the abyss, all these things. If this is hell, he can take life. He can make life out of it even. So I think everything he does is basically in defiance of what we see as impossible. It's not impossible for him. And I think that that's kind of like the whole um, gist, I think, and all these creation stories is like the ability to do it, the authorship, having the authority. and And it also kind of gets into the thing about the tablets of destiny where you know, whatever those are, <laughs> they give this being the ability to basically be holding the paintbrush for the canvas and have the ability to set these other entities to task and do these things. But in Egyptian, what I find so striking about it is what's so iconic in the Egyptian lore is the pyramid, right? The great pyramid. And
2: mm-hmm.
3: and doesn't it have a flat top? You know, it's not necessarily pointed at the top. And so I've always found that a little bit interesting, too, because really the pyramid is representing the first mound of earth to rise up out of the new, the none, which is the exact same thing that's happening in Genesis. You know, there was nothing and then there was light and this mound of earth. So basically you have the lamb of God, the light, the logos slain. At the foundation of the world, which it doesn't mention this in Genesis, but we do read about it later in the Bible, how Christ is referred to as the Lamb of God slain at the foundation of the world. Yet he was also slain when he came, you know, and ministered to the people. So he died twice already. So I find that very interesting because a lot of folks never talk about that. (laughs) They just talk about the one time he came to earth and died. But really, there was this time at the very beginning where he's slain. And that, too, happens in the Egyptian story, um, which I found very interesting. And what really blows my mind about that is uh, there's this phoenix bird type character that flies in and lands on top of that mound and lets out a great cry uh which i'm i think is because of the sacrifice that had been made on that um pyramid that mound that which the altar for yahweh is a is a mound of stones a mound of earth or mound of stones so the pyramid is an acceptable altar in that regard uh and so the ben ben stone is the capstone of the pyramid that represents that lamb, a God, the logos essentially. And um, the, of course, then they got the Bennu bird, which is the Phoenix essentially. Mm-hmm. So the Egyptian story I think is pretty wild because the Ben bird is kind of like the spirit flying over the water and it finds a place to finally land, which is this first mound of earth. <laughs> so I don't know, man, it just, that got, kind of stuff really rattles my cage sometimes when I read it. and It's like, whoa, <laughs> it's like you're getting another perspective of the same story. You know,
1: I got the uh, I got a little bit about Pata, who is the Egyptian creator God who conceived the world and brought it into being through the creative power of speech. A hymn to exactly. Pata dating to the 22nd <laughs> dynasty of Egypt says Patah crafted the world. In the design of his heart and the Shabaka stone from the 25th dynasty says, Bata gave life to all the gods and their cause as well through this heart and his tongue. He bears many epithets that describe his role in ancient Egyptian religion and its importance in society at the time. Uh, but uh, one of the more basic stories of Ptah was that he terraformed basically he created the rivers, he created uh the Nile, uh he terraformed that whole area uh to build Egypt before the pyramid was built there. Was
3: he the first pharaoh?
1: Yes, he was the first pharaoh of egypt That's in, in the wild. in the wiki it says of Memphis. He was a triad of gods in Memphis. Mm. But Oh, that's a wild! Other mythologies, uh, he's the first pharaoh, uh, and he created everything.
2: But isn't Memphis? Does Memphis come into play during the third um, dynasty or the first? Because isn't Memphis where Egypt ends? Isn't that the end of Egypt?
3: There's two kingdoms. Uh, so maybe it, it's where they meet, like okay. the divide. Because there's sure. like Upper Egypt and Lower Egypt, I think. One's a vulture and one's a uh Oh,
2: uh, uh, like snake. the middle kingdom and then the. Oh. Okay, maybe not. I don't know, but says, for some reason, uh,
1: the main places of worship were Pi Ramses, which is a location, Memphis, Karnak, Gurf Hussein, mm-hmm. which is Nubia. Uh, two in Memphis one is uh, Ptah, who is south of this wall. Another one is Ptah, who listens to prayers. Uh, Ptah, who listens to prayers, and Deir el Medina, which is Thebes. Ptah, Lord of Truth, Abu, Abu, Simbel, Nubia, Ptah, Sokar, Abydos, and Ptah, Sokar, Kom el-Heten, which is also Thebes. So he has many temples dedicated to him in all the different lands. So he's not just necessarily associated with Memphis, but Memphis probably adapted him um as their city yeah. god uh after after the fact because he was already he was the first one around
3: so you could say he was the original og king of memphis yeah. like elvis
1: yeah
2: walking in memphis
3: and there's <laughs> another song that mentions that that was a sync for me um i went and listened to the u two song which you too keeps coming up because of its ability to fly out on how alti- at a high altitude. People keep mentioning it in regards to this balloon and stuff, <laughs> but, uh, but they sing a song called pride in the name of love. And it mentions a shot ring out in a Memphis sky kind of making you think Martin Luther King, which is another King mm. and a- another King of Memphis. <laughs> but uh this kind of stuff just i don't know you never know and but he's also talking about christ and some other things in that song and too so
1: pata pata means father just like jew oh. Patah is sky father uh jew, the ju means sky uh so jew peter uh pata ends up being peter later um, which is that's where you to
3: build a church upon jupiter which also means stone incidentally it's carved in stone perhaps that's no coincidence
0: <laughs> what do you guys think about this it looks like patah is holding this sort of staff with these like four rings around it and it reminds me of the sort of old telephone oh wires Yeah, and the jed pillar yep
2: or that um underneath that temple of Hathor where they're like <laughs> making electrical light bulbs, it looks like one of
0: those. Yeah, the uh dendra light. Yeah, the yes. dendera, dendera. Uh there we dendra go. Yeah. I, I think, think they
2: were where- creating
3: ambient electricity basically like Tesla was trying to do and oh they were just harnessing. Because if you make an antenna that matches the frequency, it'll—it's just like how microwaves work. Microwaves mm-hmm. produce a wave that matches water, and it heats up the water molecules. So if you make an antenna that matches the frequency of whatever's outputting from the pyramids, per se, eh. if that's what it was, then you're going to get energy transfer. It's and it's how our human bodies work too, in a sense too. Whatever we eat and put in our bodies also attracts things. Which is why I think they had a lot of different dietary laws at the time. Yeah. And why different gods were associated with different animals, for instance.
2: There, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was cutting it off, but there's what you were talking about. Yeah, that same structure, the four rings. That looks like a snake in a bulb, though,
3: isn't it? It
2: is. (laughs) And where (laughs) is it coming from?
1: See where it's coming from? It's coming from a box. It's an ovary. An Otis Yeah, it looks like or a, a, or a, a flower. Yeah, it's a lotus. Wow. Yeah, is it an ovary? Word. <laughs> a lotus, but it looks
2: like an ovary, and it looks like a penis. And
3: me. see, that's a little different because then there the the Jed pillars on this one on the right. Mm-hmm. That's so what's giving not it power. The same too. Yeah, it's really strange. Yeah. So that's a capacitor, <laughs> basically or a transistor. So that's to help with. uh storing power and then discharging it mm-hmm. and it's a relay they really they were familiar with electricity you could, can, yeah. can definitely tell how else can well you, how uh... long have
2: telegraph lines been underneath the ocean i mean you wouldn't even believe it you truly wouldn't like it's crazy how long um like all this stuff has been going on we didn't even, even the know.
3: technology to carve that that's a relief
2: Mm -hmm. you can't can't light a lighter under there like if you had a to be able to see that you would have had to have had electricity because fire wouldn't it's so dense and so far underneath the ground that you couldn't see it with just like a flame you would have to have electricity
3: or whatever or they had night did, vision it just looked at it and spoke and it just happened
2: <laughs> it
3: just <could have laughs> been that too i don't know <laughs> like anything's possible these days oh, i you tell you this this is
2: crazy I'm, I'm going there
3: we can't there. recreate that something no. I think a lot more it. intelligent did it or um, ordered it to happen i'm sorry i got a little yes. carried away but it no, just mar- i marveled there. at this stuff
2: Wow. Me too. Don't don't apologize. We all do we're all <laughs> here together right now. Well, you
3: gotta have an imagination, you know, with this <laughs> yeah. stuff because uh there's more proof that that stuff happens than anything else, really. I mean, we got we still can't even decode a lot of it. It'd be nice no. to know what all this stuff says.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so Pata references about
2: metallurgy,
1: right?
3: It references the word for father,
1: yeah, or a word for
3: father. Mm-hmm. and he was the first pharaoh. So, in a sense, he was the first it's kind of like the precedent for a pope in a way. Mm-hmm. I also find this interesting because the Judaic faith originates out of Egypt, basically, in a sense,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, even though creation takes place before that, so I find it very interesting. They do kind of share a common heritage because Moses was raised up in the house of Pharaoh even, and was essentially Egyptian.
0: And St. Peter was the first Pope of the Catholic church. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. And that's to Christ says he built his church upon Peter as the stone. That's always been something that kind of bothered me about the first council of, churches or nicaea i think it was the council um because it was over the uh circumcision and the law of circumcision yes. and peter i think was an advocate for keeping the law whereas
0: basically the rest
3: paul of yeah i think
2: paul was well, the
0: one who said yeah from what i have read it seems like peter had a hard time uh he believed in in The new way that christ was bringing but when he was sitting with other people that were like more religious he would sort of teeter back into saying things that would make them feel more comfortable Uh, but from what i understand he actually did believe in in sort of the new way
3: well but why would christ make him his rock then you know what i mean like it just seems strange that he would do that if he
0: believed with if he believed exactly
3: what christ was saying well, I mean, it just seems like he would have chose somebody that was more predictable them? or something. You know? I feel like I everyone know. Jesus
0: picked was like, you know, like a tax collector, <laughs> a fisher. But he, he well, here's the thing, though. Want to pick but he like- gave,
3: But he gave him the keys to heaven and hell. I wouldn't. Would you give your
0: keys to anybody? You give your keys to only somebody you trust. You know what
3: I mean? Depending
2: like on my goal. It's a big thing. Maybe he
0: trusted Peter. I mean, just because Peter was trying to sort of make everyone happy, and you know, I, I don't know if that necessarily meant he wasn't trustworthy, but perhaps I don't know. I think it's something to think about though, because
3: well, here's you know, I think it's just
2: they transformed like these messianic Jews did transform and to to keep from being persecuted. So whatever was going on at the time, I mean they had to assimilate.
3: There's a picture I uh Having the telegram and i don't know if i can uh show it maybe it's better for noam to do it but it kind of uh relates to this topic of peter and even probably the jed the jed pillar pata stuff here um but the vault of heaven is analogous to the skull how our cranium is considered like the vault of heaven. Also, a lot of folks talk about the firmament and the dome. Um, mm-hmm. and so the skull kind of is like, ref- uh, modeled after that as well. And our body's supposed to be basically, um, the tabernacle, which is also the earth. So I find it interesting how it were compared to the earth. But then there's also this tabernacle in heaven as well. And we're made in the image of God, which we talked about the meaning of image on the last segment. So maybe that'll bring some interesting topics up. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Because see where that line there points to the pineal. That's what I would consider the altar or the holy of holies and the temple of Yahweh. And so that would be like the top of the pyramid that rises up out of the sea that the top of that is the pineal gland, like where the light sits. <laughs> and I used to call that the lantern of, of Osiris, I think um, I've read some things that say there used to be a fontanelle that we, the skull didn't ossify over a certain spot. And before that, maybe we, cause I guess you would have a direct Path between your two hemispheres, straight to your pineal through.
1: I remember hearing
3: third eye basically was that. I guess about
1: old uh, like uh, I don't know how to say, but like a old aborigine type tribe, and they would uh, drill a hole in their forehead, and they would uh, stick their finger in it and poke their pineal gland, so that they could have sun hallucinations.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, babies have a soft spot on their skull. And I've always thought, I've always correlated the fact that children are known for sort of seeing things or like being more in tune. And I've always wondered, I wonder if that just seals up over time. And I wonder if it has always been that way or if it's just a way of how we live nowadays that does that.
3: Well, and typically your pineal gland ossifies too after about age 12, 13, which is just about the time your skull's starting to
0: ossify. Yeah, it could maybe also just be did. like a natural
1: skull binding
0: transition.
1: A skull, what so that, maybe that's why they did skull binding, or that's why they always wore, uh, like those hats the long hats or the cone uh, heads, beanies, or yeah, or <laughs> uh, the pharaoh hat, or whatever, because they wanted to yeah, keep, man.
3: keep right. their
1: skull open and so they had to protect it by wearing a hat over it so it wouldn't you're probably on to salsify or something like that, you know. Oh just the thought. If it, yeah. a natural, a, if
0: it is a natural, if it is a natural occurrence, suture. go ahead, Morgan.
2: No, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just gonna say there's like a suture, it's called the Sag Sagittarian suture, like that those skulls mm-hmm. that um are binded or elongated have that we don't.
1: We do have the sagittal suture, and they don't have the sagittal
2: okay. backwards so that's what it is (laughs) the way like there's something definitely to that
0: one thing i was just going to say and then i'll throw it to you joshua is perhaps that is like a natural thing that god designed as a way of transitioning from realms essentially right so like if you die and then go into the next realm perhaps there's like a transition period so it's not so jarring right of like the different realities does that make any sense
3: yeah um in fact that this wasn't what i was going to say but this might actually weave into that um i've heard that it's sometimes jewish custom to let children basically behave however they want up to a certain age basically that age and that's the age of accountability and that that that, then there is an abrupt change it's like okay now you got to follow the rules and there are consequences and but i think it's interesting because by allowing them to basically do whatever they want up to a certain age, they're getting full neurological development by, you know, and being encouraged to explore and develop sensory uh, experiences, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's uh, definitely an interesting approach, but it also reminds me of the Egyptian custom of the child lock, And that's that they would let them grow a piece of hair that would never get cut and it would grow over one of their eyes. And then at age 13, they cut that lock and they were then an adult. And uh that was considered their child lock. So, but at that point is when the you know ossification process begins. And so now you're no longer a child, you're an adult, now you're a slave in Egyptian terms, right? And that's how's that any different from today? <laughs> you just basically get a job, except now it's 18 instead of 13, of course, but um. It's very similar, and so I think this is where we kind of get the idea in religion of being born again. Because basically, you become an adult in your in your teens, right? That's the whole goal is to become an adult. Well, but to a spiritual person, the goal is to become born again to to re re uh, attain that childhood sense of awe, uh, imagination, and dare I say the pineal gland reverse the ossification back to the fleshy state rather than the ossified crystalline state and i think that's where we really need to be
1: (laughs) yeah that's interesting because i think in some uh customs or practices uh when, when a child reaches age of teenager or whatnot depends upon where it's at you know 13 14 15 they mm-hmm. They do like some type of uh, psychedelic ceremony uh, with with the rest of the tribe. and it's almost like reopening up uh, that pineal gland so they can be born again.
3: Well, I've also read um, how some cultures that's how they would do with their shamans. Mm-hmm. if if somebody was destined to become a shaman, at that age they would take them into a cave and dose them up on a bunch of things and then uh basically they'd come out a whole different person and probably have like a totem animal or something <laughs> to boot Fair but uh, but uh anyway this also reminded me of how I can't remember where it is in the bible exactly but when it talks about the hard heart being a stone, and we have to, and God can soften the heart, make it fleshy, reminds me of the hardening of the pineal, making it fleshy again, but also um, um, Christ does that to us, you know, so, but this gets back to the bathing of the stone, the sword in the stone the sacrifice upon the stone in the very beginning of the earth, the foundation of the earth, the lamb's blood, man. Like there's something magical and and strange to it all mystic. It called the mystic lamb (laughs) for a reason, I think. But uh, yeah, it's, it's all about the pineal gland. The that's kind of like representative of this Augustan moment when the light was slain on the altar. Um, What day was that? I wonder Uh, day three. When the light was made.
1: You brought up the fleshy heart uh thing. And uh when I read the pata thing, it says he crafted the world and the design of his heart and the Shabaka stone, so that almost <laughs> correlates right there.
3: Yeah, and, I'll have to freshen up on old Patah. I'm not real well, familiar with him.
1: And then uh like the idea of the earth being green too is also like the heart chakra that's why they call like yeah. middle america the heartland because there's a lot of green fields and whatnot and so the, and it the, seems like oh go ahead yeah go go for it no man
0: i was just gonna say it's it seems like that's what god actually made right was the green the greenery because <laughs> if we're saying that the waters were already here and he was separating the darkness was already here he was separating it seems like if we're talking about what was God's perfect will, what were the attributes that he wanted to uh, give us, it seems like it was the greenery. It was the light, right? Those are kind of the main things that he uh, gave us. Life and light. And the expanse, which I think is probably air, right? That's sort of the bubble that protects us from the waters above and the waters below. And then we have the luminaries (laughs) the sun and the moon within that, right? Dude, it's just like, he's like, you, st- you said I can't do it. Watch, hold my, hold, hold my, hold inertia. my,
2: beer. <laughs> hold, my- <laughs> hold my holy water. I'll
0: do it right now. Hold <laughs> my living water,
1: yeah, yeah. and you'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> hold my ale. And it, well, so,
0: and it was, so good. As, <laughs> yeah. As we're talking about the waters, and you know, you brought up the tablets of destiny, right? Which I believe is this image here, and. It seems like they are sitting or floating or hovering on the water, right? Oh, good point, dude. And then was this? Were you saying this was the who's like the bigger character here? Is this probably Enlil?
3: I think the text that goes along with that says that it's Enlil. That this is a or is Enlil this
0: upper guy? That's like holding it in the sky. There's two of them up
3: there, actually.
2: Which one's this guy, Daniel?
1: Enlil. Enlil.
2: Enlil. Okay.
1: Yeah.
2: And Inky is the scientist, yes. Yeah. The water guy,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay.
3: But the the, the cylinder seal uh, apparently depicts him having lordship over the earth or authorship over the earth, which means that he could basically do whatever he wants, including terraforming. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. if essentially, Probably he'd be that. giving authority to Pata, perhaps, and making him be like, okay... I'll let you be pharaoh as long as you're executing my will and doing what i want and that kind of sets the precedent too for what we see in the sumerian records of there'll be these people that ruled for what they call scar mm. and which allegedly is 3600 years or something like that and some of these dudes ruled for multiple scars at a time and It's just hard to wonder how long did it take to form the earth? I mean, we're reading about it, talking about six days, but how long was that really? And, you know, I wonder if the labor that occurred was not just a monumental task. Like we really don't even understand. I don't think how much work went into creating this place. I think it's it's quite or how long
2: a day is.
3: Yeah, right like it might even be a thousand years or something you know. maybe we're yeah, maybe seriously. more probably more so i think that that's something to consider too when reading about this is it where time's kind of getting compressed here into like a page you know yeah i think
1: that's the interesting yeah. thing too about uh like the, the the sumerian account of creation is is that the gods came to earth first and they kind of toiled around and and made the rivers and terraformed the planet and did all the moving and everything and exactly. all the heavy
3: lifting exactly all the heavy
1: lifting and then exactly. they finally were fed up and they there was a mutiny and they said hey we're done with this crap you need to like can you is there any way that you can create something and they had like a conference and then uh Enki said okay i can uh I've, I've seen some hominids walking around i'll i'll try and he he tried some different ways to create a, a human basically and he made some mistakes and then he finally created the atom which was like the prototype so he put him in in the garden as the prototype as the what's that called uh when you when you do a science experiment you have one that's um a control or yeah you're like control or your your base or whatever so you put him in there because that was the prototype of how he wanted to create all other ones. So he could use that to uh, create. And then it talks about uh, the Inanna. Um, she was the, the mother, basically. So she was kind of like Lilith. And she was the one and a bunch of her maidens were having these babies of uh, that they had created from the atom and they were having like lots of them uh i can't remember i can't i think they only uh needed like three months to six months uh in the womb of one of these anunnaki women and so they were spitting them out like crazy and uh then the women got fed up with having all the babies and then they decided to uh Give mankind knowledge and the reproductive organs so that they could reproduce on their own, and uh, these women wouldn't have to be having them anymore. Which I think is interesting because that goes into the idea of Lilith, you know, telling Adam, okay, well, uh, or Eve, that now you're going to suffer the pains of childbirth because now you're going to be having the women instead of us. Because before that, uh, the human women weren't having children only the goddesses were
2: that's funny you bring that up because when i was trying to like read up you know to try to catch up to where you guys are in the bible i something really did stop me in my tracks here and it was it's it's in genesis chapter three um and i know you're not there yet but it's chapter three verse 14 it's after uh you know the serpent tested them or what have you uh it said and then yahweh god said to the serpent because you have done this be cursed be it. you will be cursed a curse beyond all cattle all wild beasts you shall crawl on your belly and eat dust every day of your life i will make you enemies of each other you and the woman your offspring and her offspring it will crush your head and will strike its you will strike its heel so that's like between a woman and a serpent, you know, it wasn't between, I always understood it as a child. Like it was between the woman and the man, like you will, um, I, it will crush your head and you will strike its heel. I didn't realize that that was between a serpent and a woman and that, you know, I, that, that I'm going to have to really look into that. But to the woman, he said, I will multiply your pains and childbearing. You shall give birth to your children in pain. Your yearning shall be for your husband, yet he will ward it over you. So, oh, oh, hey, yeah. That is what I put in that group. <laughs>
3: I found that also very Analogous to what we're studying. That was, thank you. That's a really good weave.
2: Oh, Genesis 3 or the Yoruba creation? Oh,
3: excuse me. This Yoruba stuff here. This is really yeah. oh. interesting. You, oh, you I dropped love. it in the chat. Yeah. Thanks.
2: Love it. Yeah, of course. I've, I've been um, studying
3: for a little that, while. That, uh, I've been wanting to bring up what you just read, though, but we hadn't got there yet. But since you mm-hmm. mentioned it, that's the okay. first curse in the Bible, as far as I know. Yeah, like the, it is. Yeah. First prophecy, too. And it was kind of relating to the topic of uh, declaring the end at the beginning, which is another
0: mm-hmm.
3: aspect of like Sumerian uh, lore, where these entities to exercise how much authority and power they had they would declare the end of something at the very beginning and just to just went one step further to say not only am i going to do this but i'm going to also control how it ends and yeah I think that that's really <laughs> quite a powerful statement you know like it's they live because- so long and they're so powerful that that's something they can do Go so ahead.
2: basically are they saying i mean like the the uh the offspring of women and the offspring of uh, serpents are always going to be at war with each other.
1: Yeah, and that's it's the way it. I take it. That men and women are always going to fight with each other. Women are going no, to have to...
2: No, it's not the, the men, the men
1: and women. Because well, yeah, the curse for serpent. the
2: man is is next, and that that doesn't... He cursed the man differently. He cursed the soil. He cursed the food uh, that, you know, he gets from it. Um, you know, you shall eat wild plants with sweat on your brow. You shall eat your bread but until you, to you return to soil taken from it. For dust you are and dust you shall return. So yeah, that I remember,
3: was the- Morgan, he's talking to two more people. She's carrying twins in her at this time. He's talking to Eve, Cain and Abel, and the serpent. (laughs) His seed and her seed are both in her womb at the same time, and this gets. Do we know this yet? Yeah. Well, we don't. That's meta. (laughs) But she was then serpent knew her, and then she mated with Adam after, so she had the seed of man and serpent both in her at the same time. That's why it's talking about the seed here. Uh, It's very interesting. Yeah. It's not talked about in church very often, of course. No,
2: that's why I was like, "What?" It's a little
3: sexual,
1: so trouble. that would be why Abel was good and Cain was bad, and Cain has exactly, been, uh, yeah. But then they
3: had Seth, who was the third child. But then, um, so basically, this is also the prototype that we see. Though we see this happen again with like Cain and A, or uh, yeah, with Cain and Abel, and then uh, later on with like um, Esau and Jacob. Uh, which really emphasizes the heel aspect in that one, because Jacob means heel and it talks about the heel striking the serpent's head and that sort of thing. And Esau kind of represents like the cane line, the cane lineage, the rulers, um, you know, the left hand and the right hand, respectively, these themes kind of <laughs> undulate the lore. Yeah. Oh, and so uh, could- I find it very interesting.
0: Go ahead. Can we sort of look at, I love what Dan was bringing up about the Sumerian legend. Can I read this synopsis real quick, kind of giving the gist of who Enlil and Enki is and who these characters are. And then we can sort of uh, look at the Bible and see what is actually going on here. Maybe we can get more of a fuller picture um, by looking at the different perspectives. So I'm just going to read this real quick. When Enlil, the creator of heaven and earth, wished the people the earth with living beings, the god Enki, the god of wisdom and knowledge, devised the image of man after the image of the gods. And the goddess Ninhara Saga molded it in clay, while the blood of Enlil gave it life and intellect. So first of all, it seems like we have, mm-hmm. what, three different creator beings, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Which maybe that's considered the trinity, I don't know. Enlil, Enki, and Ninhara Saga. and Ninhara Saga molded it in clay. So that's water and earth, right? So you have sort of this thing that was here essentially before God, perhaps, and then also mixing with the earth. Uh, and then the blood of Enlil gave it life and intellect. I find that interesting. Hmm. What do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Uh, it said um, in the Bible that we're, doesn't it say that we're from the clay of the earth? hmm
2: from so. dust and dust we shall return
0: although that did when i heard that it did make me think dust is different because that doesn't have water yeah clay, right? clay i think little... of clay as like mixture clay
2: and i feel like water is the essence of femin- femininity like mm-hmm. the the aspect the spirit aspect
0: what do you think the sort of blood of Enlil? That that strikes me. Does the that DNA. ring any bells for anyone? The DNA, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we have sort of Enlil's DNA, and then we have Enki, who is essentially just making the plan. He's like the director. He's
1: that, Yeah, he's the scientist. That's, okay, uh, so he's kind of just, this creator. is how we're
0: going to do it, but I need the blood, and I need... A creator who can actually mold it. So mm-hmm. I find that very fascinating because we do get these different aspects of of God in the Old Testament, right? Where it's, it seems like they're different roles, different characteristics. So but, yeah, um, I, just, I think that's cool.
1: Yeah, let me break down a little bit about the, the, the their pantheon too. It was Annie was at the top, and another another planetary body uh somewhere out in the universe, and. Um, he has sex with his wife and creates Enki um but in order for it to be like real kingship uh you have you're supposed to have sex with your half sibling and um so Enki doesn't actually have have that and so when he comes to earth he's out here doing all these things but then his father Anu has Enlil with his half-sister and so enlil gets kingship over enki so the second born son ends up overtaking the firstborn son son and it gets the kingship but this is what starts the battle between the gods in the first place because enki thinks that he should have the earth which is why earth is named after him because his name is ea ea and so ea rth is the earth and it's the ocean, and it's the heaven, and it's the great. And he saw that it was great, and so you have this idea that Enki decided he. I think they divided it. They always divide stuff, right? Uh, so they divided the world between the two brothers and the sister, then um, her sag or um, Ishtar, Isis. There, it's all the same uh, female deity. Um so they divided the land between the three and Enlil got the sky, which is the eagle, and Inky got the land, which is a serpent. And um I'm not exactly sure what uh the female got, but I'm assuming that's probably the waters, uh, because uh, the water has a lot to do with the female. Um so one got land, one got sky, and one got the ocean or waters. And have any so, of you
0: guys ever heard of oh go ahead Dan
1: and so yeah so because of this it started a feud between the two brothers who also fought over uh Ninhursag of having uh bloodlines with her because that was their half-sister, and so in order for them to procreate and have kingship over things they had to be with her. So that's why you get a lot of that weird rapey shit in Greek mythology probably, <laughs> and in all the other stuff, it's because they were doing it because they had to, um, they had to be kind of secretive about it because they didn't want the other one to know that they were their kids because they'd probably kill their kids uh, because they didn't want them to be able to inherit anything. And so it started this big blood battle uh, between these two sides these Anunnaki type gods
2: thank you i'm not really familiar with that pantheon of gods
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that was great thank you
1: um it, it permeates pretty much everything uh even like when you look at the bible it's the serpent that gives eve or adam uh eve the apple right which is the wisdom which is the knowledge of what the gods have um and when you look at enki he's a scientist and uh he ends up inheriting africa which is Comet, which is uh where science comes from chemistry um so it's it's another very interesting aspect uh, associated with egypt uh, the the chemical bonds um chemistry chem all those different things and and kind of where a lot of these things are born Egypt seemed to have been like the the land where everything was done. And then Marduk, uh, Enki, Marduk is the son of Enki, but Enki ruled Egypt. And when he gave, he offered Marduk Egypt, but uh, Marduk did not want Egypt. And then he instead took Babylon as his uh, abode. And so he, Ended up ruling from Babylon, um, and so there's a there's a lot of stuff that connects with Yahweh and Babylon and uh, Baal, the whole Baal idea and Yahweh and and, and uh, Asherah who was married to both of them at one respective time. That's kind of the idea of Enlil and, and Enki and, and her and her sag. them fighting over who's gonna dominant because they wanted to have the bloodline here on earth and interestingly in the mesopotamian myth it's not it's enlil that sends the flood but it's enki who gets uh uh i forget what his name i think it's utnapishtim or something like that or uh something i might have another name too but basically no uh he ends up getting him uh and telling him to build the boat to save his creation because Enki was so proud of what he had created. And it was Enlil who wanted to wipe the earth of people, uh, humans, because they were so noisy and creating all these emotions. And so it's very interesting that the serpent is the one that ends up saving humanity when um, the so-called God is the one that wanted to destroy him.
3: Well, but in the Egypt story with Moses and taking the people out of Egypt when they were in the desert, uh, serpents were sent after them for mm-hmm. the golden calf incident. And then, um, Moses was told by Yahweh to put the serpent on the stick or cross the brazen serpent, nail it to the stick, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that if the people looked upon it, they would get salvation. And then Christ makes a reference to that in John when he refers to himself as the son of uh, the son of God and must be lifted up like the serpent in the wilderness for the salvation of mankind. So right. I find that those two things to be very interesting with and, what you just and what said was, there. The what was Christ doing? He was
0: sacrificing to. his blood, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: Blood sacrifice. Blood of the lamb. And
0: so that we didn't have to do that anymore.
2: Ever again. To the yes. Perfect plan. Uh huh.
0: Which goes back to the beginning again,
3: mm-hmm. which would be the third day, I think. The, <laughs> I wonder which day it was, you know, which day. It wasn't this. Oh, maybe it was the last day because that's what Good Friday. It was done right before the Sabbath. So maybe it was done. Oh, man. So oh, whew, that's I deep, know,
2: right?
3: Which would be the same time the Shamir was created it was the last thing created apparently so i'm going to have to do some studying on that me
0: <laughs> i had i had another question on the waters uh joshua have you heard of the rephaim and them i'm sure you have but the rephaim some type of
3: uh fallen angels or nephilim type creatures perhaps
0: right well the most fascinating verse i find is job 26:5 and it says the rephaim are formed beneath the waters also their inhabitants oh Wow, so that's one of the more interesting verses in the Bible, yeah. I would say, because guess, it essentially it's saying there's these creatures in the water that live that's their there kingdom. And they were made there.
1: I got uh, a. like this,
0: Poseidon.
1: I got this article here. It's uh, pretty interesting. It's a little bit long, but I think it's uh It's going to answer uh, a lot of these questions here. Um, it's called the meaning of the Sumerian tablets of destiny. Uh, it's from Warlock Asylum International News. I would like to welcome you to the Simon Necronomicon Gatewalkers info page. If this is your first time here, please <laughs> review some of our previous articles that are listed in the menu section. Stay blessed. For many years, occultists and scholars have tried to figure out just what the tablets of destiny really are. Wikipedia, under an article entitled Tablets of Destiny, we find the following definition. In Mesopotamian mythology, the tablets of destinies dup shemati. In Sumerian not as frequently misquoted in general works the tablets of destinies was envisaged (laughs) envisaged as a clay tablet inscribed with cuneiform writing also impressed with cylinder seals which as a permanent legal document conferred upon the god Enlil his supreme authority as ruler of the universe. In the Sumerian poem, Nenurta and the Turtle, it is the god Enki rather than Enlil who holds the tablet. Both this poem and the Akkadian Anzu poem concern the theft of the tablet by the bird Mdugud, or in Sumerian, Anzu. Uh, supposedly, whoever possessed the tablet ruled the universe. In the Babylonian Enuma Elish, Tiamat bestows this tablet on Kingu, in some instances spelled with a K instead of the Q, which is interesting because Tiamat is supposedly the earth and uh, when it gets blown up becomes earth and the asteroid belt and Kingu is the mm-hmm. and gives him command of her army of her army. Oh, which is also interesting that uh kingu is associated with femininity uh, because the moon is often associated with feminine also Marduk the chosen champion of the gods then fights and destroys Tiamat and her army Marduk reclaims the tablet of destinies for himself thereby legitimizing his rule among the gods but turns it over to Anu as a gift In Tablet 5 of the epic, the tablet can be compared with the concept of the Me, the M-E, the divine decrees. The information cited above provides us with information about various ancient Mesopotamian legends where the Tablets of Destinies are mentioned. However, this article provides no clear definition about what the Tablets of Destiny are. The reader will find in his or her own research that the meaning of these Tablets and what they actually are is not really known. However, the initiate of the Necronomicon tradition must have an understanding of these things to fully appreciate the gatewalking process that we find only in the Simon Necronomicon. In an online article written by Josepha Sherman entitled The Theft of Destiny, we read, Enlil, God of air and Keeper of the Tablets of Destiny, those magical tablets of power on which was written all that was All that is, all that would be, stood in the gateway of his palace, its inlaid bricks gleaming blue and gold in the mountain sunlight. The article goes on to describe how the tablets were stolen from Dengur Enlil by the Anzu bird, but were soon recovered by Ninurta. However, we can see from Sherman's words that these tablets were used to divine the past, present, and future. There is a key point in all of this that not be overlooked. In a previous article entitled, Enlil's Placement in the Necronomicon Tradition, we discussed the fact that Dengur Enlil is actually a Chthonic deity that dwells in the inner earth, or what the Mad Arab would describe as the Black Earth. The Post cites an article written in 1906 by J.G. R. Forlong makes the following observation in his classic work Faiths of Man, Volume 2, page 577. We read Mulji, Akkadian, Lord Below, otherwise Mulil or Enlil, Ghost Lord. The Akkadian name of Baal, Lord of the Earth and of Hell. His son was Namtar, Fate or Plague. His wife was Nenki Gal, Lady. Of Dead Land. The post also cites other information about Dingurt and Lil taken from the Unitarian Review and Religious Magazine, Volume 13, page 417. The remaining god of the triad of the superior deities is Mulji. He and his consort Ningi or Ningi Lal are the Lord and the Lady of the gloomy pit or the subterranean world. This is called the home whence non, none return. That is the abode of the dead. The picture of the underworld given by the Akkadian tablets is painted in mostly gloomy colors. There were believed to be seven doors to this world, but the principal entrance was located at the great mountain of the west, where the sun sets. In the lower world, together with mulge and his consort, there lived seven other gods, his sons, who lived, as one of the incantations says, in the flames. Here, the reader can easily see that Dengar Enlil, Akkadian Mulji, is a Chthonic deity. What is the key in understanding the mythologies concerning the Dingur Enlil and the Anzu bird is that the victor, Dinger Ninurta, is also a Chthonic deity. Remember that in the subterranean world existed seven other gods besides Dengar Enlil. Uh, Francis Lenormand in the book Chaldean Magic states the following on page. 174, 175. As a logical consequence from this point of view, also was not only demons who were placed in the gloomy empire of Mulji, since amongst the protecting spirits we find mentioned, the male and female spirits, lords of the infernal regions, the master of the lower abyss had begotten, besides Namtar, one of the warrior gods whose special mission it was to combat demons, monsters, and plagues. Like a true Hercules, this was. Nindara who was called also Uris URAS and was afterwards assimilated into the Chaldean Babylonian deity Adar Nindara was the nocturnal sun the sun hidden in the lower world during half his course um it goes on uh from the information cited above we can see that the realm of Dingar Enlil was the subterranean world populated with demons and gods. We also see that Nindara was the deity of the lower abyss or subterranean world. Nindara is described in the information cited above as the nocturnal sun. Nindara is also known as Ninurta, also known as Adar and Ninib. This brings certain things into clarity concerning the Necronomicon cosmology in conjunction with ancient Mesopotamia. As well the hollow earth or black earth it is no more mere coincidence that both dengar inlil and dengar nanerta are underworld deities gods dwelling beneath the earth earlier in our discussion we cited unitarian review which states in the lower world together with mulji and his consort there live seven other gods the son who lived as one of the incantation says in the flames um This is the book of the seven demons of the ignited spheres of the seven demons of the flame. This is the book of the priests who govern the works of fire. What appears in the Simon Necronomicon book of calling relates to what is mentioned in the Unitarian Review. It shows us that the seven gates and their correspondences pertain to the gods that dwell beneath the earth, just like subterranean world that is ruled by Dengur, Enlil, and seven other gods being his sons, With this view in mind, we can now understand what is mentioned by Simon in the Gates Necronomicon. Seven lords in Egypt, Sumer, and India who are responsible for creation in its earliest stages. Seven lords who dwell in the underworld, an underworld understood by both the Egyptians and Sumerians as existing simultaneously under the world and in space beyond the planets. Here we see that the term underworld in both Egyptian and Sumerian cosmology pertain to a place underneath the earth and in the stars which lie beyond the planetary realm. This is a very important aspect of the Mesopotamian cosmology that the initiate must come to terms with, and when this understanding is embraced, the initiate can thereby understand the tablets of destiny. In the ancient Sumerian thought, the tablets of destiny were said to be in the possession of Dingur Enlil. And as we have discussed in this post, along with other articles that are cited, Dinger Enlil is the ruler of the subterranean world. What all of this means is that within the Earth exists an exact replica of our solar system. It is in the original paradise with seven suns, each emanating in an etheric flame, which is relative to each of the seven planets that exist in the heavens above. These seven etheric suns rotate around two jointed stars of negative and positive polarity, situated vertically, one above the other, almost appearing as one. These central two suns would stand on one on top of the other and rotate clockwise around each other, emanate an etheric property relative to iron, as Nergal is regarded as the ruler of the underworld among the Chaldeans, These two stars rotate around each other vertically and the seven etheric stars rotate around the nucleus horizontally was depicted in ancient Mesopotamian history as the eight pointed star. Now, before we continue, it is important to take into consideration the following article entitled Inner Core. We find something of what science has discovered concerning the interior of the Earth. The interior core of the Earth, its innermost hottest part, as detected by seismological studies, is a primarily solid sphere, about 1,216 kilometers in radius, which is 760 miles, or about 70% that of the moon. It is believed to consist of an iron-nickel alloy and may have a temperature similar to the sun's surface. The nucleus, along with the seven etheric suns that exist within the hollow earth, send the signal to our sun that appears in the heavens, and the sun thereby follows the command whereby the planets move in a certain direction, either direct or retrograde, causing events to happen on earth. This process is the tablets of destiny. However, this process is also possessed by certain learned men and women, ancient Montes. Mesopotamian mythology proves this. In the Babylonian creation epic, commonly known as the Enuma Elish, we also find mention of the Tablets of Destinies. Tiamat bestows them upon Kingu. But according to our article, the Magan Text Part 3, Kingu, while representing the spirit of life, also represents the uninitiated and the constellation that we know today as Aries, along with the Muzi so for seven months the spirit of life or the summer's season the through which life prevailed was experienced from aries to libra seven months king who held the tablets of destiny but not as immortal and unit um, but not as immortal an uninitiated man could not divine them accurately however we find an initiate or one who was raised up by Enki was successful in defeating Kingu, and after the battle was won, Marduk hung the tablets of destiny around his neck and was given fifty names or fifty powers from f- various deities, which gave him the ability to establish many things. The fifty names of Marduk actually was borrowed from an earlier myth pertaining to Inanna and Dumuzi. Wherein Anana makes Dumuzi have fifty orgasms, each orgasm was a power from the goddess who had control of the seven mies or the seven etheric suns that exist in the core of the earth. In the myth, courtship of Anana and Dumuzi, we read, "My beloved, the delight of my eyes met me. We rejoiced together. He took his pleasure of me. He brought me into his house. He laid me down on the fragrant honey bed, my sweet love." Lying by my heart, tongue playing, one by one, my fair demuzi did so fifty times. Now my sweet love is sated. We have the personal account of a Amurkar, king of Urak, relating this personal experience in the sacred marriage rite of kingship with the Intu or Hirodul, uh, the female priestess representing an Inanna in sacred marriage rite circa 2600 BCE, responding to a boast by the governor of a neighboring city claiming to be the true beloved of Inanna and thus attempting to make himself a potential rival to Urak's throne. And Merkur replies, he may lie with her in sweet slumber on the adorned bed, but I lie on Anana's splendid bed strewn with pure plants. Its back is an ug lion, its front is a purig lion. The ugg lion chases the purig lion. The purig lion chases the ugg lion. As the ugg lion chases the purig lion and the purig lion chases the ugg lion, the day does not dawn. Jesus. The night does not pass. <laughs> I accompany Inanna for the journey of double hours. Um, This can go on forever. But uh, what I was wanting to get to was whole idea of the inner earth with the seven suns and the the solar system reflecting on the inside of the earth i think somebody shared um a picture of the world uh which was like split open like an egg and inside of it was the world but the cosmos was like the outside shell of that egg and because we're inside of it we're like the yoke of that egg we see the cosmos on the inside of the shell and we're inside of that and i thought that was interesting because it kind of relates to what it's somewhat talking about in here of how we're living inside of the solar system and the solar system is like the shell around us um i don't know i just thought that was uh interesting it kind of goes over what the tablets of destiny are and a little bit more about some of this uh babylonian mystery stuff and mesopotamian stuff so
2: no you're absolutely I'm, right i'm
1: done talking now for a long time because that was a lot
2: no <laughs> thank you it, for reading it that reminds part. reminds me of um um <clears throat> But it says somewhere in the Bible, and I'm I'm gonna try to find it before I just like say things. But uh, it's basically saying that uh, Yokebad or Yokebed. It's like somebody else can talk. Well,
3: well, I have something that while you're looking for that, I can talk about. Um, This reminded me of how the body is modeled after the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is modeled after the earth. And how many chakras do we have? Seven. seven. So, if you have seven light bodies in your body, you see what I mean? And that too is part of this. What you were just reading kind of reminded me of that too. So, I personally felt like that was jiving pretty good with some of the things that I think make sense to me. So, um, and there's also seven candelabras on the menorah which are the seven feast days of Yahweh and sevens of course and of course the menorah is used in the temple <laughs> which i think represent the chakras the th- the seven lights of the body no absolutely wow. profound wow
2: yeah. <laughs> and the the um that that you know in a world as above so below like mm-hmm. there's it would it wouldn't well, be any way if that's what you actually believe you know it makes perfect sense
3: and there's supposed to be a tabernacle in heaven as well that that this is modeled after so this is like an imperfect reflection of whatever court in heaven it looks like apparently so it might be similar in some way i mean i doubt it looks a lot like it does today down here (laughs) there's also um,
1: seven sages Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and in the gilgamesh epic when he finally gets to talk to utnapishti Utnapishti, uh, he tells him is it wasn't it the seven sages that laid uh the cornerstones of the ziggurats or whatnot so Almost as if they they laid the foundations of everything with like the seven sages, or the seven. Christ
3: is referred to as the cornerstone, the foundation
1: stone, the chief cornerstone at the head of the corner. And seventh Set day, in, seventh day Adventist seven pops up a lot. Seven is the Earth. The Earth is the seventh from the outside planets inward
3: oh i never thought about it that way
1: (laughs) yeah we have seven seas seven continents
3: so you could kind of think of them like the planets in a way to being involved in the creation of earth Mm -hmm. helping to lay the cornerstone you know in a sense and that would kind of go along with like the gnostic view because they would view the demiurge uh, as this creator energy with his angels or craftsmen that were doing his bidding or work so that that would even kind of jive with what they said which i think is kind of interesting
0: they think this is like a prison planet right so what would be the the nuance there well you
3: know it kind of reminds me of um i think it was the uh sumerian epic that when they're talking about Kingu and Tiamat, how they would have used Tiamat to make the earth, but then also Kingu um, was used, but I've seen in this other excerpt that was shared, it was in Lil's blood that was used. So it, sometimes the name changes or whom it might be. But what I think is interesting about that is that imperfect things were used to create something that was a, and, and it says an image too. An image is something that's like a reflection. It's not necessarily or a shadow.
0: A I think we broke yeah, down exactly. the Hebrew actually of that specific word and it was like a shadow. Correct. So I think it was never, uh, it was like it just never
3: could be perfect because it's simply not made from <laughs> the right stuff, <laughs> I guess. But again, that's somewhat uh, exercising that authority is saying, well, I'm going to take what's not perfect and make, make something good out of it. And so I think that's kind of the miracle of being born again, or finding God in this imperfect world. And in this imperfect Mm -hmm. flesh is like, when we are able to find Christ uh, and bathe that stone, (laughs) it's like, really we're going all the way back to the beginning, you know, and uh, to the foundation of the world and, and these types of things. And, to me, that's very powerful. I mean, I really <laughs> like to sit and think about, you know, all this, these beings that have been on earth and the creation, <laughs> you yeah, know, it gets kind of hard sometimes to, to engage in mundane tasks, you know, but, uh, which is why I had to get into social work because selling cell phones and then thinking about this stuff all day, just wasn't mixing. <laughs>
2: Amen.
3: Didn't work. <laughs>
2: i Dan,
0: there's
3: also
2: talking? um in the orisha uh back to yoruba religion uh the Orisha. there's seven uh main deities as well hmm. um i'll i'll post that in the chat
3: too they're called orishis
2: the orishas yeah
0: were you saying something nomad Oh, I was going to weave on what Dan was saying earlier about uh, Marduk and Enki. So you were saying that Marduk, Marduk was the son of Enki? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Enki uh, had a kingdom for him, right? He was like special, but then he wanted his own kingdom, right? Yes. Marduk. Yeah. And then that's how we get like the Babylonian system.
1: And, and that's kind of the story of Lucifer. Enlil. Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. <laughs> Enlil ruled Babylon. And so uh marduk was there with enlil kind of learned from him but then he ended up i think he killed him uh it's kind of like the same story as balder and loki how loki's uh you know petitioned all everything in the world except the mistletoe uh to grieve for balder and if everything grieved for balder he would be saved but um so because the mistletoe didn't, uh, he was able to shoot the arrow through the mistletoe, and then it killed Baldr. Uh, in the same way, Baldr is same as Baal, which was also uh, Enlil's other name in Babylon. And so when I think that Marduk took over Babylon from Enlil by not murdering him per se, but having somebody do it for him, I think the actual story in Babylon goes, he uh, he kind of put a hit on him, basically. Um, I don't know the exact story, but I think he didn't do it directly. He did it indirectly.
0: Sorry, that was who who put a hit on who?
1: Uh, Marduk put a hit on <laughs> Enlil.
0: Okay, Marduk. So it was going after
3: Enlil. His okay. uncle
2: or his dad?
1: His uncle, Yeah.
2: Okay. Well,
3: that reminds me of the tower of babel story because they were mm-hmm. trying yeah, to go to war with god yep. and of course that's babylon essentially mm-hmm. so that that's could be babylon. why he left yep. <laughs> he's like all right you guys are crazy yep <laughs> you can deal with those heathens mm-hmm. that's <laughs> i'm what gonna flood the earth
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm down with you <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, so and so Enki. How do we first of all? How do we know Enki was a serpent? Are we just kind of assuming that based off of um titles, or
1: he's he's usually portrayed um as as like that serpent energy. Uh, he's usually depicted in like the Sumerians as having the waters coming out from him and having the the fish head on his head.
3: Yeah, I to so
0: say his crown is oh, a little different. I'm glad you said that because I was just, I've been staring at this image and I just like noticed that. the Pope's it. hat. Well, some of these people, they, they, they're, his wardrobe is made of water, it looks like. It's yeah, the same it is, pattern. Right? Oh, mm-hmm. And same on the far left here. That well, I guess maybe that's just a smaller version. Like It yeah. does kind of look like him down there, doesn't it? Or it's of the same, uh, well, actually that person doesn't seem to have like a beard almost. So no, maybe good it's, point. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's just like, like his these emissary are on Earth. The water people, the Raphaïm. Maybe I don't know.
1: Well, they talked about uh, these gods or deities or whatever titans. These would be titans, Enki would be, uh, because their offspring would be uh, the ones born on this planet. Because they, according to Sitchin, they came from off planet, but whatever. But these titans were large giants and. Their offspring were hybrid, which were middle-sized. And then the regular people were very small. This is why they could not impregnate uh, Eve necessarily or other humans. They had to use their own kind because uh, the normal women kept dying from them trying to inseminate them. So they used their own, and then they finally just gave uh, humans reproductive organs and then they were able to reproduce on their own that's why the first thing is like be fruitful multiply
0: another thing i was noticing about this image is this this center orb here what do we think this is
1: um it looks like a compass y- yeah it's oh, all right it does yep yeah, it pretty much is uh the middle is the four corners the middle is the four the corners and the, the
3: earth, right? Yeah, the, <laughs> and the four rivers of Eden.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The middle is four the corners of creation. The mountain, uh Mount Maru, uh, and then the four cardinal directions, and then the the four waters that flow from uh the garden.
3: Oh right. um, pull up this. There's uh a the Sumerian title known as King of the Four Corners. And that was the title given to like King of the Universe. So this um, probably also relates to the uh tablets yeah. of destiny. Also,
1: Enki relates with the waters and Neptune and the Trident. Yeah. And uh he if you look at his headdress, he has the horns on the headdress. And so the horns and the trident and all of these things are kind of representations of Enki. And so you put that together into one. Uh, amalgamation or combination you get like the prototypical devil symbolism with the horns on the head and the pitchfork. Um and because he is relegated to earth or the underworld also you get that red color.
0: So perhaps this is earth here in the center, which makes sense, right? We have like sort of these four pillars holding up the foundation which seems like it's in a bubble. And then up here you have what seems to be like two suns or two lights, and then what looks like to me the moon.
2: A kind man. of started
0: this conversation off talking about was is there two
1: suns? <laughs> um one is uh what did they say in that thing? It was the eight eight sighted star of something i forget
0: oh okay of ishtar or something the polaris yeah. essentially
1: and i would say that the like north the star. four waters and the and the cardinal directions and that whole disc thing is more of a, a representation of the heavens or where they come from in the heavens which is could possibly be like atlantis or atlon or whatever which would uh have been at the north pole which is why everything else comes out from the top. <clears throat> it's top-down, it's pyramid scheme, it's they came down, but they say that the Anunnaki, Sitchin says Anunnaki means those that came down from the heavens.
0: Very interesting. In
2: Genesis chapter 2, verse Um oh I guess we're going to go to 10. Um it talks about the four different streams of rivers that come from the garden of Eden.
3: Thank you Morgan. I appreciate that.
1: So I would say that yeah, the reason why he's given him that trophy with the disc on it cuz that's kind of what a trophy is, right? It's a uh, four pillars and then you know, whatever you're doing is on top, like if you're a wrestler or baseball player, or whatever, you usually get some trophy similar to that. Uh, he's handing down the knowledge of the heavens to the people. He's he's giving them this knowledge by giving them this trophy from where he comes from, where the knowledge comes from. So it's almost like handing down the kingship. To the people are handing down this knowledge, which is, if you look at other ones, he's giving them like a plow because he's he taught them how to plow fields and um, taught just like the same as the seven sages and the seven sciences. Basically, oddly, it's the seven sciences too, which Enki is the scientist.
3: The Baldalax and Shoham Stone? What are those?
1: Wow. I don't
3: know. Are those like boundary markers or?
0: So the stones of Shoham, the Avenia Shoham stones of onyx were chosen to be the home for the tribes of Israel. Mm. Uh, so onyx maybe? Okay. So well, we it's heard... the
2: gold. The, it means that, okay, it says that encircled the whole land of Hevallah where there is gold. The gold of this land is pure uh, and the onyx stone are found there. So there's been yeah, like the a onyx whole, stone. Yeah, because there's been this whole ordeal about like the gold that we have now isn't actually real gold. you know, it's not it's been fabricated. Hold on one second. I think I'm uh, <laughs> I
3: mean, we can hear you, but your video is kind of glitching. I'm
2: glitching out. Hold it's on. almost
3: like a cool edit or something. <laughs> <laughs> You just start talking about the Anunnaki and it starts causing glitches. It's not the first time. No
2: joke.
1: Is this onyx (laughs) stone kind of like, is it meteorite or is it black? Onyx is usually black, so it's like black stone. It's like the mecha stone, right? That they walk around. The We went to
2: that onyx cave, remember? Mm
1: -hmm. And it wasn't black. It was like white and reds. I thought that was Hmm. pretty pretty interesting because usually like when you other look up onyx it's eye. always like a darker color it's always usually black
0: looks like there's also like a yellow onyx yeah like it's a tiger's
2: eye uh, related
0: to it somehow
1: no
2: sure. no
1: morgan and i went to an onyx cave in arkansas and see that round one right there with like the kind of looks marbly uh, with the like stra- striations through it, and it's like brownish and whitish. Uh, that a lot mm-hmm. of the onyx that was there was all of that type, which is weird because okay. I always thought black onyx was black, and so uh, well, well, I, I did. Hearing, by, I didn't know did it came in different colors. Yeah, I didn't know it came yeah. in different colors though. So I don't know if maybe black. Very interesting that that's older the one that's or... referenced. Um, maybe black has something to do with older and the soil, uh, being darker, or
2: maybe, maybe it's like legit, you know, the, not fake.
1: And that thing that I read, it talked about the black earth. And so maybe I'm, I'm wondering if maybe onyx was, uh, is like deeper in the ground or whatnot. I don't know. Maybe so, what is the yeah. place? the darker the darker stones or something i have no idea so the, the four rivers
3: ahead. are Pison,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh Gibon,
1: euphrates euphrates tigris and so, H- hidekel hmm. oh oh that's right there and oh.
2: this... see i got different names yeah but, what do they say um, in your version um. Okay, so it says um, Pishon or Pishon, whatever, It circles the whole land. Um, the second river is named Gihon, and this encircles the whole land of Cush. The third river is named the Tigris, and this flows to the east of Asher. The fourth is the Euphrates. But over here it says... Um,
3: Dude, mine's different too like a lot
2: <laughs> the it says verses 10 through 12 are intended to fix the locality of Eden however the rivers Pishon and Gihon are unknown and the two lands named are probably not the religious uh designated i'm sorry the regions designated elsewhere by the same names so take that as you will
3: um okay. may i read the the this version, yeah, yeah, uh, starting from 10. Now, a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it separated into four heads. So, there is one river that separates into four heads. The name of the first is Pishon, which is P I S H O N in mine, mm-hmm. it circles all the land of Havilah, mm-hmm. where there is gold and the gold of that land is good. The carbuncle and the emerald are there as well. The name of the second river is the Gihon, which again is the same as yours, but it's Givon there.
1: Mine actually says the gold of the land is good, aromatic resin, and onyx are also there. I don't have that.
3: (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you're on 13. This It circles the land of Ethiopia, which you called Cush when mm-hmm. you read it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's
3: interesting because that's in uh, Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then it says the name of the third is the Tigris, which we see here yes. is Hedekal. And on the screen it was. So I've never heard the name Hedekal as the name for Tigris. So that's something new I've learned. And I'm it says you. here... It says here it flows over against the Assyrians, which you said was Asher. Mm-hmm. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Yeah. yeah. Is which, Cushbell by the way.
1: The...
3: Go ahead. Um, it's Ethiopia
1: in mine. Is Cush spelled with a C or a K? C. Yeah. And uh,
3: by the way, there are prophecies relating to the river Euphrates drying up. It's a boundary for Israel, as we see here, um, and the river is drying up. And that's where the four horsemen are, which I think is interesting because it being one of the four rivers, having the four horsemen under it, when it dries up, it's supposed to mean Judgment Day has come, that they were released upon the earth. So... (laughs) To think that they were put there during creation, too, is kind of interesting. You know, it's like, well, I'll just leave these here in case I need them (laughs) one day. You know, if this river dries up, everything's gone to hell. So, Literally. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to me how things are playing out.
0: Oh, my gosh. Hebrew word for onyx, uh, which was used in that um, verse, and it's shoham. And it seems like it's saying what? from its pale green color. Dude, that's and crazy. It that kind of does remind me of Shamir. I don't know if there's any correlation, but
3: well it reminds uh, me of pale. uh in Revelation, the fourth horse is a pale green color. Right, exactly. That is also sparkling. And, behold. Ah, the, pale and the seal is green because mm-hmm. The servants of God, the 144,000 are all given a seal and the angel of the East, which you mentioned earlier, Daniel West was the land of the dead and hell basically, Uh which I heard earlier too, that, uh, heard an Orthodox man talking about how an exorcism in the Orthodox church involved spitting on the devil, which was in the West. Um, and Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting because the shin letter is a W as well when it's accented on the right or left, meaning shin or sin. So west must be the
1: shin that's accented on the left. It's the dying sun. Because the sun <laughs> rises in the in the east, so it, it's like the life. And then when it sets in the west, then it's dying. And that's when night happens. So it's the death of the sun basically every night day turns into night and so when it sets in the west it's the underworld because it goes to the underworld and then comes back again since we're in
0: genesis 2 should we read like the first few verses sure
1: i don't see why not
0: all right i'll go ahead Uh, i'm reading from i'm reading from the young literal translation this is genesis 2 verse 1 And the heavens and the earth are completed and all their host, and God completeth the seventh day his work which he hath made, and ceaseth by the seventh day from all his work which he hath made. And God blesseth the seventh day and sanctifieth it, for in it he hath ceased from all his work which God had prepared for making. These are births of the heavens and of the earth in their being prepared in the day of Jehovah God's making earth and heavens. And no shrub of the field is yet in the earth, and no herb of the field yet sprouteth. For Jehovah God hath not rained upon the earth, and a the man there is not to serve the ground. So that's kind of interesting. Does anyone have anything on that so far?
1: Um, yeah. It does say in mine in uh, 2 3 then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Uh, so I didn't hear okay, so holy in yours, uh, so
0: I just right. I think sanctifieth is kind of the same word. There it is probably the translation, uh, sanctifying it, setting it apart, holy. Uh, but that's a good call. Yeah, that's why I love these different translations because sometimes those words are very uh, important. The difference that they they have. Uh, but would you guys agree that sanctify kind of similar there? Yeah, of course. Yes. Well,
3: Sancta is kind of referring to holy, which is to be set apart. And so this is a day that was set apart from the rest of the days. Uh, So it's not meant to be like the others. It's meant to be distinct and different. And so rest is, of course, the opposite of work. So it kind of reminds me of like the principles of motion and rest, even in physics, Mm -hmm. in a sense um which is rhythm
0: yeah yeah and that's one thing i've always there's this concept of like balance versus rhythm and i i think balance gets a lot of clout but one thought i've always had is what if balance is the best that bad can hope for it's like you know that's like there they it can only be 50-50 but most it's the majority it's good right but like they try to make it seem like we can only have this duality we can only have this Uh, equal equality of good or uh, of good and bad. Does that make sense? Uh, I don't know if that correlation makes sense to you guys, but the rhythm there I think is interesting of like, it's, it's like six days of something and then one day of something else. It's not like 50, 50. Right. Something that I would like to point out here that really stuck
3: with me when you were reading that. I know my signal keeps dropping out. It's not today, Satan. But uh, here it says that this all took place and then no, no nothing sprouted up yet because it hadn't yet right. rained. So that seemed to imply to me that he had created all those seeds and had just sown them. I mean, yes. <laughs> how long could that have taken? And then to think too, like, did he plan every seed out was it just like a seed bomb as they sometimes call them like where you just explosively throw seeds out you know like
0: well it sounds like terraforming right yeah what was the
3: mechanism here So, so that kind of just thought entered my mind too so it's like wow this is a big task and then he just throws all the seed out there you know but still that's all those different
0: plants and trees and well, and what's weird is we don't even get <laughs> we don't get rain like as we know it until like the flood, right? Yeah, there's just a mist. Our action next verse. Yeah, yeah, the mist goeth up from the earth and hath watered the whole face of the ground. But it is it saying that <laughs> there's plants yet or no?
2: No. He gives, um, it says uh, in Genesis 1, chapter 29, I give you all the seed bearing plants that are upon the whole earth and all the trees with the seed bearing fruit, and this shall be your food to all the beasts, all the birds of heaven, and all the living reptiles on the earth. I give you all the foliage (laughs) of plants for food. And then he rested, or, you know, on the seventh day. But then my Bible says that you know, there's the second account of the creation and that is when paradise happens. And then uh, after the flood of the earth and the watering of all the surface in the soil, then God fashioned man from dust in the soil. So it had to rain before he could even fashion man, but he planted the seeds and foretold of, you know all of these things that we were going to have before we had them, I suppose, because it's it's not in order. Chron- it doesn't seem like it's in order. You know, you yeah. think that
0: you would. Have- and this is something that actually comes up a lot in the Bible. Uh, there's things that seem like they're out of order. Uh, an example is in Psalms. It, it will like end. It will say like this is the end of Psalms, but then it keeps going. <laughs> and then there's like a second. Ending. Yeah. Um, so yeah there are very much nuances that need to be sort of vetted out here and that well, maybe it was the end at, maybe it was the end at that time
3: and then some more were added well right. who
2: knows how long the seventh day was you know what I mean like we like. I
3: don't, magical... think it, I don't think it was ever supposed to end until the like, fall until man's fall
0: oh the seventh day wasn't supposed to end I don't think it was Oh, that's an interesting point. We're just supposed <laughs> to be chilling. Yeah. It was like resting. an
3: endless, endless summer and then fall happened. And then since then <laughs> we've, had, we've, Literally. Had the war, we've had the war of the seasons ever since. Because I mean, after all, winter is death. <laughs>
1: you guys yeah, I've that? always
0: felt that that there was go ahead.
1: You guys remember that one commercial where that old guy is like sitting in the chair and it's like for like some both speakers or something like that and he's oh he's like the max, sitting there and uh, like the speakers are just uh, blaring and he's like getting blown back in his chair while he's just chilling i think that's what god was feeling he was like you guys are noisy man i'm just trying to chill out right here you guys are interrupting my peace
0: yeah <laughs> maybe
2: well, that's in the that's funny that's insane that's in it's like a
1: star mythology. it didn't hit it like i wanted st- it to but it's good well i
3: mean <laughs> it's the same. i don't have children but i would imagine it's the same as if you have children and they're fighting it probably wears on your nerves a lot and you're like listen if you don't behave i'm going to spank both of you or whatever you know kind of thing Mor- morgan and can
1: speak like, on that yeah.
3: parents get, get to get to where they have their fill and they just snap. So I think sometimes that's what we see with God is he even makes a comment to the people on their way out of Egypt that, uh, they're a stiff neck people and that if he travels with them, he'll destroy them because mm-hmm. he just can't <laughs> tolerate them, you know? And So <laughs> he does. Him. So he does so from afar, you know, which um, sounds
0: like Enlil, right? exactly <laughs> not saying it is but I, I just i'm trying to recognize the fruits of these spirits the personality yeah. and yeah it seems like that's an end little thing to say
2: it's very end low <laughs>
3: but at the same time exercising authority saying well i can take these people out of here because i want to and i can you know and so it's yeah, yeah on the same side it's like you know moses kind of Uh, reasons with them because at one point he's like i'm going to destroy all these people and just make you the head of all these nations that i'm going to found and he's like no 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 if you're going to kill anybody kill me don't kill them and so don't kill my brother well (laughs) there's that one maybe too but uh but it's really interesting to see the interplay between moses and yahweh and uh you know we kind of touched earlier too about U- 10 uh upen uh, noah upen and inky yeah. <laughs> um or po- that possible relationship too so it's it's, it's i like how there uh, is sometimes these uh interesting interplays there and dynamics but
0: uh this kind of reminds me of the question you brought up joshua of like what and i might be paraphrasing here but like what was god's original perfect will or perfect plan right before the fall and how do we get back to that? Right. Yeah. And that's you know. what Christ
3: is all about. I think is that attempt to rectify that, you know, and, and try to bring peace people back to the original Adam and Eve state. Um, before you can't falls. put
2: the toothpaste back in the bottle.
3: <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting about that is by, you know, we'll, we'll be so wise to Satan's devices he'll never be able to trick us again. You know what I mean? Like we were very uh, naive in the garden and um, because I
2: think we were supposed to be, didn't it say we were blind?
3: in a way, I don't know if we were physically blind. It says it's something about our eyes opening, but I wonder if that meant like our third eye or, you know, being able to discern from right and wrong with the tree of knowledge and good and evil, that would kind of imply something psychological, or spiritual, not so much physical. So I wonder, you know, what, but then again, they were freshly created and born. Maybe they were like puppy dogs and kittens. So their eyes weren't open yet, you know, a sense too. you know, so I don't know like how fresh they were, but at the very least, it's something I've thought about because um, maybe Adam and Eve were children, in which case what happened to them in the garden really takes on a whole new light because look what we see today happening you're speaking of spiritual fruits you know spirits don't change their spots like a leopard you know it's mm. like they're still at it today you know mm. okay. so i think that's <laughs> a nice
2: an old, story yeah, old,
0: so did you want to keep reading since we're sort of talking about the man yeah because that's the next verse yeah. all right so this is Genesis 2 verse starting at verse 7. And Jehovah God formeth the man dust from the ground and breatheth into his nostrils breath of life and the man becometh a living creature. So why don't we just start stop there cuz <laughs> I feel like that's a loaded mm-hmm. verse. Um so dust from the ground is what mine says. So to me that's that's without water it, it would seem like and I might need to look into the Hebrew there but and then breatheth into his nostrils the breath of life. So what do we think is the breath of life? What What is that? Well, in the Hebrew, it's
3: called the Ruach HaKodesh, which is the Holy Spirit. Um, and the Enlil meaning, too, is also a holy wind of sorts, which I think is kind of, yeah. Very interesting well, because we were saying me.
0: we needed the blood from Enlil. So mm-hmm. that kind of, of course. I think that comes later. <laughs> The blood part, yeah. Separate, okay.
2: I mean, I could be wrong, but I think spirit comes before that. Oh yeah, I think
0: let's we could keep keep going. Well, uh,
3: so- can I mention one thing before we get past that? Because yeah, uh, there is something in the Islamic tradition that kind of mentions this. Um, whenever we're, we were being created by God. We were clay vessels, which this matches the uh, Sumerian account too about the clay, or was it the Egyptian? Perhaps I can't remember. But it was and the, the
2: Yoruba religion as well.
3: Oh well, so yeah, it seems to be the consensus that we were modeled in this clay image. Um, but what happens in the Quran is that uh, Iblis, which is this Lucifer-type character, he's a uh, entity of smokeless fire. And he uh, is, you know, interacting with the atom, you know, the, the vessel. It hadn't yet been animated. It didn't have yet have the Holy Spirit, the breath of life put into it. Um, and this was kind of one of the things that fueled the jealousy of Iblis was he seen Adam as inferior, uh, a mud man, a mud creature or whatever. He's like, well, this, this is a, of the element of earth you know, why, what are you doing exactly? You know, Iblis saw himself as superior. And this is also talking about fruits of the spirit. This was also his pride coming through Iblis's pride in this regard. Because at that time, he was essentially um, the right hand man, so to speak, or the high priest. But then Adam was being made to be that. And and the Holy Spirit was being imbued into this creation. So when Iblis's uh disobedience began to be an issue there, he he refused to bow down to Adam or serve him because the angels were meant to serve uh man. And because he would not do that, he and all the angels that would not do that became part of the first um uh, incursion, I think is what they call it, the first fall. So I just wanted to kind of weave on that a little bit because of the, the being relevant to the creature, Hi, it, that's man. yeah, no, that's good. Well,
2: also, um, like in the yoga religion as well, um, the um, Baby, it's
1: about should- two. You should read what? uh you should read uh the post that you posted of creation, the your Yoruba's as a people regard. Um you should read Yeah, author. I think
3: that's a good idea because it's not very well known.
1: Yeah, and it's not okay. very long either.
0: Just read it. While you're getting that ready, I did want to just uh clarify that I did look up the Hebrew word for dust there and it's afar. And it does mean dry or loose earth, so the original Hebrew is saying it's it's more dry, not a mud so specifically that's,
3: that's dry. That's that is I like the Hebrew for that reason. It's very specific.
0: Well, that's why I use no the literal because it is closer to the Hebrew. so when dust is you know use specific.
1: the dust and then combine that with the waters. You get mud and then you add blood to the mud, and you get a being.
0: You got a homunculus clay it's, a, yeah. it's also
1: it's also <laughs> alchemic because it's three um three things too right you have water you have earth and you have air
3: so i mean it's pretty wild when you think about it dude because he quite literally takes up some earth shapes it into something similar to himself you know, perhaps like you said, adds the blood or what have you, and then just like breathes onto it. So, <laughs> and then animates it. I mean, it's really quite mind-bending. Yeah. So the, the tablets Animation. of destiny must have played a role here, maybe, in even being able to do that. That seems almost like magic, really, when you think about it. Well, it just, is what we. Oh, like- remarkable
0: using voice command on a tablet right if you were to <laughs> yeah uh, say okay hey, uh you know make me this i mean people are doing that right now with chat gbt you can ask okay it to make you Good anything point. and code it will literally code a 3d rendering uh so that's pretty much what we're seeing here it seems like
1: history
3: yeah
0: around.
3: the our, code being manifest
1: our buddy juan yeah. talks about the homunculus and how that's a alchemical process of creating a homunculus. Right. So maybe it's kind of like uh, all humans are homunculi. Um, being we are. In the alchemical making, process.
0: Making more homunculi, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if the Bible actually says anything about not doing that either. Well, Which we're
3: commanded so. to do so.
0: So I don't feel like well, I'm fulfilling yeah. that commandment because I haven't had children.
3: But yeah, you're supposed to do that. I mean, it was the first one of the first commandments.
0: But you know, that's do you think that that's very specific? I guess what I'm saying is some people uh, are trying to make homunculi outside of the natural, what we know as the natural way, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, people are playing God and
3: surrogate mothers and like they've been talking about making brain dead women surrogate mothers. And, you know, it just reminds me of Dune, how they were like basically making robot women that they were using them to birth things and create spice. I mean, it was getting crazy, yeah. but even in that book good technology was seen as <laughs> uh, technology was seen as evil basically in those books, which reminds me of that point I wanted to make about how, you know, what's different now, you know, we have the seven days of, or the six days of creation and the seventh day of rest. And then that was everything that had been created. I mean, there wasn't even plants springing up out of the ground until verse nine, chapter two here. It sees, uh, it reads rather. So everything we've created since has been tainted with the tree of knowledge and good of evil, you know, cause like once we fell and then we started creating, it was a little bit different. So I think that it might be worth worthwhile sometime to consider, you know, what was God's plan? You know, had we lived here in the eternal Sabbath, never dying, what would we, what would we, what kind of a world would we have created? Had we never fell, you know, what would be different about that? So we, I think that the millennial reign, when we have that, it will be, like you said, getting back to what God intended, I think it'll be trying to have what was intended in the first place here on earth, the kingdom of God, as it's called in the Bible. But what do
2: you, do you think that think looks that like? That this was intended.
3: I don't think that this was intended. No, because this is all tainted with sin. And, and so I think that's why everything we eat kills us and uh, the environment's killing us and everything is because even though we think in this day and age like we're living better and living longer in fact we're actually living a lot shorter lives because adam was like a thousand years old for instance and methuselah i think
0: was up there too in like the 800s and 900s and um we're still capped key, right? at 120 god said and exactly. day, 120 that's still the max
1: so think somebody has certainly passed 120 though
0: well i mean
3: Well, but your quality of life is (laughs) certainly nowhere near what it was because it took Noah a hundred years just to build the ark. Well, that's the best you can even hope for now. And nobody's going to be able to build an ark.
2: Well, hell, wasn't he like 500 when he I think
3: so, yeah. 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 So, you know what I mean? Like, so he would is probably still a spry dude, even (laughs) at 300 or something like that. You know what I mean? So it's not so much just the length of time, but it's also the quality of life. Or in other words, the maybe the, the how fast the aging process occurs, I think think it's kind kind of directly related. Uh, I think it's directly related to how much of how many fruits we eat off the tree of knowledge and good and evil, because uh, we, you know, we lack the discernment to know which fruits are poison and which ones are good. And I see things like vaccines Mm -hmm. and, you know, chemicals and all this sort of stuff as being like fruits off that tree. And, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of how I see it though, in a way. Um, so what would the word look like, you know, and you asked that. So maybe a lot of, um, the temple was to be constructed without hammers. You couldn't use the sound of hammers or anything in there. So, you know, I'd say if we were not meant to work, we probably would have been creating things like with sound, just like God was maybe we'd be speaking things into existence commanding the angels to do things for us do all the heavy lifting for us so in a way if you think magic. about it maybe that's yeah it was literally magic yeah
0: well so there wasn't there wasn't death or disease at this time right correct so what do you think do you think that um our sort of diets and everything has any effect on that because if there wasn't any dying or anything we're i mean the bible says we were eating plants so do you think th- that was part of God's perfect will?
1: I think one of the things is well,
3: there was that, no death yet, so yeah, I don't think we're supposed to eat animals yet.
1: I think one of them is also the the change of environment and uh, the the overall change of the planet. It was not the paradise anymore. Something happened that put us into an ice age, which changed the conditions of the planet. So I think life from there. Uh, started to dwindle. And it seems like if if you guys know about like the the um what's that cycle called? I forget. Uh Kali, the Yuga cycle, uh it seems like the golden age was like two cycles at the top and uh the Kali Yuga is the two cycles at the bottom. And we kind of go around in a circle and it's like we go through the a long golden age and then we kind of go down into the other ages and down and down and down to the bottom and then we start to come back up again and then we eventually go back and reach the golden age again and it's a long paradise again so i think i think maybe well, that's, that's, that's the part of the cycle, cycle. yeah it's part of the cycle of snake biting the tail or the end is the beginning right we we go back we we just circle it's the circle of life and um
2: you mean climate change?
1: <laughs> yes, climate change uh, climate change talk about the, the the real sense of climate change is like the earth goes through stages and cycles just like we go through seasons of winter summer fall and spring uh, i think the earth also goes through this those same stages of, of winter fall spring summer and so through those different ages uh, our bodies react differently through them
2: i was joking
1: But also, you know, the food that we eat, the poison that we're consumed by now has obviously a big part to do with the fact that most of us are not living to 120. I think the average age of death is like 80 something for a woman and like 70 something for a man. So we're not even getting close to the 120 anymore
0: and i would say that's because we're far away from god's perfect plan exactly. i believe god has a perfect plan and a permissible plan like right? so the his permissible will allows for variability and, and adventure and excitement um but there's a he has certain checkpoints sort of that are making sure everything is still in alignment uh, but i think as we get closer to his perfect will which i think is the sort of the garden of eden um we become more fulfilled we're more abundant uh, and I have felt that as I have made that sort of my goal for like the last probably seven or eight years, I've been trying to get closer to the Garden of Eden. That's sort of been my um, north star, I guess, if you will. I would say so we. I love we, that we're discussing this.
1: We are eternal. Like our spirit is eternal. So uh, our spirit lives forever, regardless of our our body, because uh, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Uh, first law. Thermodynamics. So we we always will exist. Um it just depends in what capacity.
3: Well, you know, those laws of physics only apply if you don't have the tablets of destiny. <laughs> well,
1: none of us do. <laughs> <I'm> just say. <saying. laughs> but Babe, you should read the create, the Yor- Yoruba creation myth because uh, I was reading it and it's pretty interesting. It does connect into what we're talking about right now. Um, okay. It's over here in the chat. If you open it up, it's, uh, it's right there. You sent it. To yeah. Us. Okay.
2: So <clears throat> the Yorubas as a people regard, I'm not going to say his name. As the principal force of creation, according to one of the Yoruba accounts of creation, at a certain stage in the process, the truth was sent to confirm the habitability of the planets that were newly formed. The Earth, being one of these, was visited but considered too wet for conventional living. After a successful, oh, I'm sorry, after a successful period of time, a number of divinities led by Obatala. Were sent to accomplish the task of. Sorry. Were sent to accomplish the task of helping Earth develop its crust. On one of their visits to the realm, the Arch Divinity Ovatala took the stage, equipped with a mollusk that concealed some form of soil, winged beast, and some cloth-like material. The contents were emptied onto what soon became a large mound on the surface of the water. And soon after, the winged beast began to scatter this around until the point where it gradually made it into a large patch of dry land. The various indentations they created eventually became hills and valleys. Obatala leaped into a high ground and named the place. It's called, it's pronounced F-A. Uh, The land became fertile and the plant life began to flourish. From handfuls of earth, he began to mold figurines. Meanwhile, as this was happening on earth, Uludumare gathered the gases from the far reaches of space and sparked an explosion that shaped onto a fireball. He subsequently, citation needed, uh, sent it to life where it dried much of the land and simultaneously began to bake the motionless figurines. It was at this point that Ludumare uh, released the breath of life to blow across the land and, came, and the figurine slowly came into being as the first people of Efe. For this reason, Efe is locally referred to as Efe Udeye, the cradle of existence. But what they don't mention here is that, like, uh, Obotale, he's uh, like the last of the, the whole pantheon of uh gods or whatever. Um, he really doesn't have a job, like, and he's like, man, I really want something to do. You know, all my siblings or whatnot have all these things that they great things that they get to do, and I'm really useless, so um they let him come down here and the only way that he could is if he like gathered um, enough gold to make a chain to come down here. So what he did was, you know, had a goldsmith fashion, um, you know, a chain of gold to climb down here. And when he got here, it wasn't long enough. So the sand that was in his Hands, he had to drop, so, and without landing in the water. And after that had happened, um, you know, he, uh, he was bored like he had, he was like, Okay, well, I'm here, I've made all these plants, I've made all these blah blah blah, what have you. I need you know, company. So, um, his siblings sent him palm oil, which was wine. And he got a little tipsy, and started fashioning, you know, clay people. I guess, and
3: like the, the platypus,
2: inanimate <laughs> objects. And um, when he woke up the next day, he was like, "Holy shit! Uh, whoops! Some of these people have ears. Some of them don't. Oh my god! You know, <laughs> he he got the he got the Sunday scaries right. So he called his brother. Su and Su is also known as the trickster, came down here and then wreaked havoc over. But he did help him out.
1: Kind of sounds like a whole, like, playing at the beach and making a sandbox and building a castle and you build your figurines and your brother comes and kicks everything over.
2: He doesn't kick it over, though. He helps him.
1: He truly (laughs) does.
2: He's like... He does. He helps them. But then, I mean, obviously there's a price to pay. And then that's when I, um, and I also included in the chat the uh, Yemaya, Yemoja, Yemaya is what I call her. She's like the goddess of the ocean. But Eshu um, is also uh, translated as the devil or the evil being. Um, he deals in hand of misfortune to those that do not uh offer tribute or are deemed to be spiritual novices also regarded as the divine messenger a prime negotiator between negative and positive forces in the body and an enforcer of the law of being he is said to assist in enhancing the power derived from herbal medicines and other forms of esoteric technology um sorry uh Eshu is the Orisha of chance, accident, and unpredictability because he is O'Roon's linguist and master of languages. Eshu is responsible for carrying messages and sacrifices from humans to the sky god. Also known for his phallic powers and exploits, Eshu is said to lurk at the gateways of the highways and crossroads where he introduces chance and accident to the lives of humans. Um, He is known by a variety of names, including algebra. Or Elagabara, whatever. You know, everything has something to do with math.
1: A variable. He sounded very much like uh, Thoth as the messenger.
2: Yeah, Mercury, yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, What were you saying about the...
0: Did you say two gold chains and then to to keep it out of the water or something?
2: Well, okay, so um, the only way that he can make it down here because apparently in this whole uh, Hmm. like being being, we're down, you know, like we're like the lowest form and um, he had to make like chain links. So he had to literally go get gold and I mean, he's a god, so he can, you know, um, and got this goldsmith, but there was not enough gold for him to reach the, the land. So what he did was drop the sand that was in his hand and like literally just like jumped off the rope.
3: Can you it's see just... the screen, Morgan? Yeah. <laughs> Are those the
0: chains? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting at.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, and it reminds me of the sun. So, yeah.
0: And that yeah, looks
3: like the, the footstool of heaven. Earth's the footstool, mm. right? So it yeah. kind of looks like that to me, too. Like, that's creation, basically. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, you guys- since Oh, since that image is up, I uh, just wanted to kind of re- Iterate about the four corners of the world. um, It's a very interesting topic to look into because it's really the title. A lot of these Sumerian kings would have, like the guy sitting there, for instance, would probably have carried that title. I think the last one to have it was Cyrus the Great, Mm. who is um, built the who allowed the Jews to build the temple the second time. So he was the last one to have that title. So, I think the Antichrist, quote-unquote, may have that title.
2: Which one? King of what? the Four
3: Corners, because he'll be king of the earth.
1: King of the Four Corners, Yep. Yeah.
3: So, he would perhaps have that same Sumerian title.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But but that hasn't been since Cyrus. So, it's been like, what, over 2,000 years since anybody's had that title? So, I think that's something the think about you know (laughs) as relates to the four horsemen and stuff like that which we see the four streams so that would be like the four cardinal directions of land and then also then you got four waters so Mm -hmm. but this title would be king of everything king of the four corners was also uh, king of everything
2: so in other words all
3: all the known world yeah but anyway thanks for letting me weave on that I think you were saying something there no man
0: Oh, no, I don't. There's so many things on this image. We could depict it for years. Uh, I just like, what is he sitting on? That's
3: super <laughs> Hold on, let me
2: look.
0: <laughs> Throne of two lions, maybe?
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, those are lions.
1: Are they? They look I wish human. I- it looks like one of them has a face.
0: We may need to find a more high res graphic for image for the next one. We can look into that. Those
3: Uh, are little people
1: that
0: could probably be a whole episode.
3: (laughs) Well, in the Egyptian story too, with Atum, he uh, at one point has two children in the abyss that he sends one of his eyes after, and uh, the eye, the blue eye, um, which is kind of like Sophia. Uh, mm. He sends it into the abyss to find his children, which are two lions, incidentally. Mm. Uh, mm. Tefnut and Shu, or something, I think, maybe. Mm. Could you
0: maybe find a link to that uh, info and, and share okay, it sure. in the chat or in the telegram so we can weave on that? Because uh, that's super interesting.
2: Oh, yeah. Me too, bro.
0: One last thing that's just... I, when I saw this image, it reminded me of the Star Trek Enterprise. I just <laughs> throw that out there It kind of looks like the the star trek ships anyways this has been great guys i have to drop soon but uh any other last questions or weaves for me before i head out
2: no this has been so much fun
0: awesome are you guys gonna hang on for a while
1: uh no, we can wrap it up. Uh, it's almost eleven here.
2: One o'clock. Yeah, it's
1: right there too. Um, I'm sure it's really late for Joshua. Uh, yeah, they've been you guys... going for. Uh, yeah, it's two o'clock here. A few hours. Yeah, <laughs> eight, nine. Appreciate ten.
0: you all staying up late for us.
1: About yeah, yeah. <laughs> about three hours. So it's all good, man.
0: What?
3: Here's what it says about it the uh, what I was saying here in the heliopitan creation myth, Atum was considered to be the first god, having created himself sitting on a mound, the Ben Ben, which the Ben Ben stone once again comes up. So it's exactly. cap, oh. cap <laughs> and the Bennu I mean. bird. Um, and uh from the primordial waters of the new um early myths state that Atum created the god Shu. And the goddess Tefnut by spitting them out of his mouth. One text debates that Autumn did not create Shu and Tefnut by spitting them out of his mouth by means of saliva and semen, but rather by Autumn's lips. Another writing describes Shu and Tefnut being birthed by Autumn's hand. The same writing says that Autumn's hand is the title of the god's wife based on her (laughs) heliopticon. beginning other myths state that autumn created through masturbation with the hand and yeah. um it's interesting i wasn't expecting to have to read that uh, and yeah. the old king <laughs> the old kingdom the egyptians believe that autumn lifted the dead king's soul from his pyramid to the starry heavens he was also a solar deity associated with the primary sun god um it's interesting because that none of those were the ones i've actually read um I read how well, he found his children in the abyss by sending his eye after them. So that's actually the, the actual story. I'm just reading from a wiki page here.
0: Right. Well, the Ben Ben stone, though, that you mentioned, I'm bringing up images uh, of the Ben Ben stone. And the oh, there's stone. your lions. And yeah, there's lions everywhere. So Snap. There we go.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> the you know.
0: Exactly. Because uh, guess what? That's
3: what the coronation stone is. is, is yeah, that, that's the stone of the destiny ben ben stone. too, right?
1: Yeah, so the, they're still they're, the tablet of destiny. Yes, oh. the tablet. So
2: it's in Westminster Abbey. This
3: is crazy, dude.
1: No, it's the in the uh, throne of Tara. <laughs> <laughs> oh. which was the name of Abraham's dad, Tara. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep.
1: The stone of destiny is uh, also known as Jacob Pillow. Jacob's Pillow and what yeah, I mean, uh you're showing yeah, images the of, is the stone of skull <laughs> is
2: that because he but it's the same thing interpreted dreams or what
3: he there's a story of where he laid his head on a pillow and that's where the jacob's ladder comes from because mm-hmm. he dreamed of angels ascending and descending which again reminds me of that cloud city neper where they were yeah. going up and down between the Avalon. yeah yeah and you mentioned what was that city uh and the map began or whatever the yeah.
1: Avalon.
2: I have in my blog, I'm not like promoting it or anything. I'm just saying promote like it. I have, I go through the moon cycle phases and like the different oracle cards and what they mean and like the herbal correspondence, the lunar time, and just random things about it. So if you do want to know more about it and the Celtic goddesses associated with the time. You could go on there and and read more about it because it would take me hours to try to explain it. Uh, Yeah, Avalon uh, is the island that it's called Isle of Avalon. I'm just sending that in the chat for you guys, Um, ah, and it's where King Arthur supposedly is. So there we go.
0: Sweet.
3: Yep.
2: This has
1: been
0: awesome, guys. Thank you so
1: much. Yeah. yeah
2: thank, you. thank you, guys.
1: I think we somewhat stayed on the topics that we wanted to talk about. Uh, oh, I found
3: the thing I was looking for. Pardon me real quick. So, yeah, he produced the children that way, apparently. But then it says here. The brother and sister, curious about the primeval waters that surrounded them, went to explore the waters and disappeared into the darkness. Unable to bear his loss, Atum sends his fiery messenger, the Eye of Ra, to find his children. The tears of joy he shed upon their return were the first human beings. He said, "So that's finally found some interesting." Hey,
2: will you send? Will you put that in the chat too? Yeah. Thank you.
0: So we made it pretty like what like 12 verses or so through genesis 2 pretty good we chewed some all the weaving of could. We yeah we did a lot we yeah we did
2: seventh day too we rested <laughs>
0: we summarized the first chapter too it was a productive podcast
1: yes sir yeah i do believe that we got through uh most of the things that we wanted to talk about i, I should go to that list and see if uh we did hit um i
3: think we hit most of them yeah and the next is uh we'll be leading into the fall of man so we i kind of got a little ahead of me myself there but
1: a little foreshadowing never heard his (laughs) creation of the zodiac and earth i don't think we got into that um
0: that'll be fun
1: the ancients believe the sea was hell the abyss waters below the rephaim. joshua oh uh our are our creations tainted by the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Uh briefly. What was God's perfect plan? Briefly. Was there death and disease in the beginning? I think we covered that a little bit too. What would it take or what would it look like for us to live in accordance to God's perfect will? We brief yeah, we briefly covered. I don't think everything. we'd have free
2: will. Yeah.
0: Yeah, briefly. Yeah. We could probably dig into all of those throughout Genesis exactly. a bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, As, a especially, great I
1: think, um, when it gets into uh, like the bloodline aspect of this person begat that person begat that, and it starts talking about the bloodline, I think a lot more of that stuff will come up too. Uh, and we haven't even got to Adam and Eve yet. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's going to be a lot right there. That's a lot of stuff.
2: Well, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, thank you guys all again uh, for joining me on the show. I appreciate your time and coming on and chatting and sharing all your info. It was fun. I look forward to it again next week. And uh, go ahead and sign off. Tell the people where they can find you at again. They got anything going on. Promote yourself. And. Let people know where they can find your work. That's uh, ladies. Yes. First. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Morgan.
2: Okay. My Instagram is at the Morgan B the M O R R I G A N B. And uh, my blog is www.noordsbard.wordpress.com. And uh, yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me
1: thank you no matt. go ahead joshua <laughs> well all right
3: uh my name is joshua and i go by the branch you can find me on telegram uh chat me up i try to get back to everybody but you know sometimes i get a little overwhelmed <laughs> so if, if i haven't got back to you just send me another message um but yeah i do a lot of different shows and i'm, I'm trying to get better at Sharing them all in one place, so you can also uh, find my um, our own community chat at Solomon Report uh, on Telegram. So if you want to catch the other episodes that we do, some news talk, Bible study stuff like that, uh, be sure to check us out there. Awesome, and uh, I think on the seventh, the seventeenth of this month, I'll be doing a show with uh, Chris from the Weaving Spiders. Um, we're going to be doing a decode uh, on um, Eyes Wide Shut and Society, a couple of movies. Um, one of them is a Stanley Kubrick. I'm not sure if Society is or not. So stay tuned for that.
0: And uh, yeah, I appreciate
3: you guys listening.
2: Oh, Yeah.
0: And nomad. you guys can find me at the Nomad podcast on your favorite platforms. We have an episode coming out probably next week with uh, Brandon from Expanding Reality. We chat about cymatics. It was a great episode. I'm excited for that. Um, and if you guys want to get a hold of me, you can contact me on my website at nomad.art or on Patreon slash nomad. Love y'all. This has been so great. And I look forward to this every week. Thanks, guys.
2: Me too. Thank
1: Thanks, you. girl. Thanks, babe. So thanks boo. love you uh and All right, and plug um,
2: yourself daniel
1: <laughs> and i'm daniel knock you you can find me on rising from the ashes podcast everywhere also join up on the patreon check check out some episodes exclusive that are only on patreon from roman he has a lot of stuff on there everything that i do uh will be on the patreon also a month for you are hearing it now on Spotify. So if you're hearing it on Spotify, it's on the Rising from the Ashes Patreon a month for this. So if you want to catch all this goodness sooner, check out the patreon and stay tuned for all the other cool fun shows I have in the works because I've been working and doing some shit and um, just having fun, having conversations talking to people can't get any better than that sharing ideas expanding our minds and loving one, one another that's it's the goal in life so thank you all
0: love y'all and peace
2: love y'all bye er,
0: farewell. farewell all love i'm regenerating Raising my vibration, curses ending with my generation. Blessings raining, it's a celebration. Go on, tell the nation, we're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man. I'm regenerating, raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings raining, it's a celebration. Go on, tell the nation, we're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man. I've been stuck in my ways, how many days before it's no longer a face? God keep giving me grace, I'm giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise. I've been stuck in my ways, how many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace, I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks, giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks. I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer my face? God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks